Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. It is 10.20 on Thursday, February 23rd. We're returning after a roughly eight-day uh, break without official Dallas Mavericks basketball. They beat the San Antonio Spurs 142-116. to 116. Josh, how are you? I'm good. This is a nice game to ease us back into things, although... Uh, this game not having a lot of juice since now San Antonio has lost 15 games in a row. Uh, I definitely, there were some moments in the first half where I was like, I still kind of feel like I'm on all-star break. <laughs> like, cause there, it was just kind of, you know, it was kind of a whatever game. Uh, and then fourth quarter happened and the Mavericks just kind of went crazy on offense all game. So it give, gives us something to talk about. Yeah. They pulled away and realistically this would have been a much longer podcast had the Mavericks not beaten the shit out of the Spurs. And I say that because the Spurs are fucking terrible. (laughs) I, I, if, if you're tuning in and you don't know the Spurs have lost now 15 straight games, as Josh pointed out, it's hard to do that. Okay. It's, it's incredibly hard to do that. And yet the Spurs have managed to. And so for a significant portion of this game, it looked like they would give the Mavs trouble. I mean, they out-rebounded the Mavs, if you'd believe that. They out-assisted the Mavs, if you'd believe that. They shot 52% from the floor, if you'd believe that. They had 66 points in the paint, (laughs) if you'd believe that. And yet the Mavericks won. Now, why did the Mavericks win? Mavericks won because they have the better basketball players. And I think as we go down this stretch run in which the Mavericks play the Spurs two more times, we're going to have these nights where we come in here and we just go, well, the Mavericks out-talented the team that they were playing. And that's what happened tonight because for every mistake the Mavericks, or I'm sorry, the Mavericks made, the Spurs made two. Like it was it was kind of uncomfortable to a degree to where the Spurs would do something stupid. Now the Spurs hit a lot of like Garbo threes, but I I don't know what to make of this game other than the fact that the Mavericks are the better basketball team. And that mattered in the end. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, the Spurs have the worst defense in the league and the Mavericks lit them up. So the Mavericks kind of did their job Uh, continuing the trend that, you know, despite what we've been saying or maybe more me and, despite it maybe not being as aesthetically pleasing as we wanted to, when Luka and Kyrie are on the floor, this offense is incredible. I mean, uh-huh. even even with the three losses, like I think it's going to be fun to look up what the offense is doing when those two are on the floor. I'm going to probably do that when we're done recording just to see. But the offense is amazing, uh, and their defense stinks. And yeah. that's just kind of how it is. And, you know, this, <clears throat> yeah, you, you kind of summed it up. The Spurs had 66 points. Um, in the paint, man, I think, boy, I, I, I think the Mavericks have given up at least like 55 points yeah. in the paint in their last four games. I mean, they have an escort I mean, service to the round. Yeah, it's, it's insane. So, um, you would, you would have liked it to be better, like, you know, show some sort of resistance against the team that's 28th entering tonight in offense. Um, and instead the Spurs shot, uh, 38 shots, uh, at the rim. Uh, they were 26 of 38, uh, so they were only a little bit above league average, so it could have been actually a little bit worse. Yeah. So, uh, well, but, yeah. They're going to lose some winnable games because of that. Like, this right. just isn't changing. 
I had an interesting, I mean, look, I love when y'all talk to me, but I had one person who I regularly interact with tell me that the Mavericks are deep when they're healthy. And no, <laughs> like, no, they're not. <laughs> I'm sorry, like McGee and, and Powell and other people, like, whoa, it, it's just, it's very, this team is going to, is going to do something fun. I really earnestly believe that. But it's also going to be really maddening to watch because for every brilliant thing they do, they're going to also do something equally stupid. Now, the easiest path to the Mavericks playing better, and and this is going to continue to rankle people, in my opinion, is Luka shutting the fuck up, getting back on defense, and trying on defense. He is such a sieve right now. Yeah, uh, Luka didn't play in the fourth quarter, right? And I think yeah. that was probably the Mavericks' best defensive quarter. Um, it's got to matter. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so I, I actually, you know, you know, I did. I, it was hard for me to get fired up about this game because, yeah, you know, right. it's against the Spurs. But, man, the timeline was like – was not a fan of Luka's effort in the first – because he 24, loathed, 24 and he did 24 the minutes. shoulder shrugging shit, and he needs yeah. someone to tell him to stop. He picked up his 13th technical while arguing a foul and also giving up a basket. Like, you can't and, do that. And then he had, did you, did you see the really good, the guy, uh, I don't, I can't even remember which Spurs player did it, uh, that bounced the inbounds pass off of his arm and then got a dunk because <laughs> Luca was like staring off into space. <laughs> <laughs> on the inbounds play did you see that i did see it and it's yeah, just that was it's one of those and it's one of those things where it's like it's funny and i'm glad we don't have to talk about it in a negative context because here's the thing i earnestly think that once the games matter for real luca's gonna try harder so i'm irritated but i'm only irritated because i believe that playing a certain way in games that don't matter or that matter less lead to playing that way when games do matter. The problem with that is, is that we've seen Luka Doncic at his young age show up and kick the shit out of teams. So maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean, you want him to form good habits and it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, we've just been on a downward trend with him, at least with defensively, but offensively, I mean, this team's starting to feel like, Oh, three Mavs a little bit. And it's just the way hilarious. That, just these windshield wiper games, like it's, they hit 22 threes on 42 attempts. So like they had a really good shooting night. I mean, this is also why, like, uh, you know, the only other thing really I want to talk about, you know, Kyrie had another great game, you know, just and Justin holiday. Yeah. This is like, I'm not surprised. Like he's a career 36% shooter. He's bounced around the league, but like when he's played on on decent teams, he's been like in that thirty seven to forty range from three. Um, when he's gotten significant minutes, and oh. so it's like, like I'm trying I'm trying not to phrase, phrase this so I'm not like rude, but like you know, Dorian Finney Smith shot thirty seven thirty eight percent with Luca, and again yep. like these guys are getting the most wide open shots ever, and like this is why it's always been maddening when they kind of maybe don't close up the end of the roster like they should, because like there are guys like these available, like holiday has been available forever. Like he has not been a guy that's hard Ever. to attain. And it's just yep. like, man, if you can get a guy that can shoot well outside of Dallas, like uh, has a proven track record, like you put him next to Luca and all the open shots he's going to get, like, 
there were people like they were like, man, I don't know. He's only hit 34% of his threes the last couple of years. Like, yeah, well, he, you know, he toiled in Atlanta this season and they're a mess. And he was on the Kings last season and that was before their ascension. Like, he's a good shooter. Like, he's been in the league long enough though that he's a, he's proven himself as, as a decent shooter. And like, you're putting him next to Luca, who's going to basically spoon feed him the most open shots in the in in the league. Yep. Like, come on, guys. Like, it's not that well, hard. You know, like, he's, he's not going to. Yeah. I have to finish your point for you because you started talking about Dorian and you walked away (laughs) from it because I don't think you want to give the stats. Dorian is shooting a crisp four of 15 from three since going to the Brooklyn Nets, which is 27%. And Dorian's rise to three-point prominence came with Luka Doncic. That's okay. It is okay to be dependent upon a superstar. But that is sort of what Josh and I have been driving at for years where it's what if, just just what if you cared about the back end of the bench? Justin Holiday had hit 33s through 28 games this season. He hit five tonight. <laughs> and there was no one within five feet of him anytime he took it. I doubt he's that open again, which is really great because that like right. when that it happens, changes things. <laughs> exactly. So what happens if you build a team that actually fits the superstar that you have instead of building an eight person rotation with five people that were also on the team the previous four years? I don't know. We've never seen it. So the Mavericks made a two for one trade and they have Kyrie Irving and through two games or through multiple games, these guys look ungodly on offense. And I mean, that's really a like right that's a fair statement no it's incredible no it's been amazing it's been great um i don't have the numbers in front of me but yeah i mean it's been you know what stupid because everybody the online discussion is well how do these two fit together who fucking cares they cook with gas and that's probably a little bit me like i got kind of i wrote a recap i think of the minute the minnesota game where i was like it pissed me off and i probably let that get to me a little bit but like you said yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter they're just they're, they're it, it, even if they're doing the my turn your turn stuff it just doesn't matter because they're like they're the two most individually skilled offensive players i think maybe in the entire league in terms of just I mean, attacking kyrie one-on-one start, matchups kyrie to start the fourth quarter using a using the triple threat position so basic basketball stuff that you teach like middle schoolers and grade school kids his back left foot is his pivot foot so he's using his front right foot and he basically puts Doug McDermott on his ass without dribbling. It was <laughs> fucking incredible. And then he takes one dribble, then hits a three. And it's the sort of stuff that that is is hard to explain. Like, it, it's why other players talk about Kyrie with such reverence. And I like I've understood it. I understand it now. But watching what the Mavericks were able to do on offense makes you wonder if they could just defend a little bit. What happened? <laughs> right. And that's probably, you know, remember what we said, you can't fix everything at oh. one trade deadline. So this is probably going to be what the summer is going to be about is like, okay, with these two guys on the floor, you're just, you're going to obliterate teams offensively. Now yeah. let's just pick up, you know, you got two more picks to trade, you know, and let's try to find, uh, you know, some defense. Uh, so that's probably the plan. It's hard, you know, it's hard when you do the two for one, one of them's Dorian, you know, you're just, this was going to be what kind of hap- happens, you know, it's just, you know, people are mad about it and, there's not really any, you know, like it's, there's not really any rotation changes they can do. Like this is just right. the team they have, you know, they're going to have to play like, these games until Maxi gets back. And even then he's not going to change. Is he's going to help, but it's not going to be 
he's not going to transform this back into the top 10 offense it was a year ago you know he's not the flex all band-aid on the leaking right. on the leaking thing like he's going to help yep. and he's going to make things fun and yep. you got to hope for the right matchups like yep. that, that's okay that's yep. okay hey i got the Kyrie luca on the floor uh numbers you want to hear how good the offense is with them two on the floor Ex- expletive okay yes, go ahead um <laughs> they played 109 possessions uh, when Luca and Kyrie are on the floor, the Mavericks score 131.2 points per 100 possessions. They have an effective field goal percentage of 61.6. Give me um, some context. Like, what is the best offense in the league right now? The best offense in the league is probably scoring somewhere around like 118. <laughs> Denver is scoring 119 per 100 possessions, and that's the best offense in the league. With Luke and Kyrie on the floor, the Mavericks are at 131.2 per 100. And I, I can't – the 61.6 effective field goal percentage is – That's disgusting. That's that's bananas. That's <laughs> – like, that's crazy. Um, again, it's mean, only 109 the- possessions, so take that what you will, but it's – it looks it looks pretty damn good so far. So, like my my top end for this, and I don't remember which game of the finals this was in 2016, but it was the it was the dual 40 point games for Kyrie and and LeBron James. Yeah, and like that's what you need to like picture in your head for potential top end. And I use the word potential specifically because it's not just going to happen. It's it's rarely going to happen because basketball doesn't work that way. And so I think what we're going to run into kind of as a fan base is we're going to think from game to game, oh, this is janky. This is frustrating. There's my turn, your turn. And then you're going to look and they're going to have scored 34 points in a quarter. And that's really good. <laughs> right. It is really good. So, and again, I think the the my turn, your turn stuff actually isn't that bad when you consider how good Luca and Kyrie are at isolation offense. Like, yeah we kind of get the my turn your turn stuff like bad because you think about where when the super teams first started originating with LeBron and Wade the problem with the way those guys played remember that first I mean that first year remember the first like six months they were kind of just a little their defense was was pretty great but their offense was a little weird it's because LeBron and Wade couldn't shoot they couldn't shoot threes so like doing the my turn your turn kind of cramped a lot of what each of those guys likes to do on their own. And then they kind of learned, okay, we need to change. We need to play different. We need to move off the ball. And Wade did a really good job becoming like an off-ball cutter and screener and doing stuff when LeBron had the ball. LeBron did the same thing, and they developed that kind of synergy to work around the fact that neither of them were elite shooters. And then another thing that helped was LeBron kind of turned himself into an elite three-point shooter while he was in Miami. So that's the thing. It's like, so we, so from that, you kind of, that's kind of stuck in my head is like, okay, that's why the, my turn, your turn stuff doesn't work well. But then it's like, wait, when you've got two of the best isolation scores in the league and both of them can hit threes. Now, obviously Luca is not a prolific shooter in terms of percentage, but Kyrie certainly is like, you know, Luca isoing while Kyrie is standing in the wing or the corner, maybe not might not be the most efficient use of their talents, but at the end of the day, it's like you've got one of the best spot up shooters in the league now and Kyrie spacing the floor for Luca, who's one of the best creators. And then you do vice versa when you switch it around the other way. So that kind of sets a baseline that makes it, it pretty, pretty ridiculous. Like well, it's, it's crazy. And one of the things that I think has, has not been talked about enough is, and it's mainly because of sample size, but 
Kyrie's deference to getting other people involved early in the game is really important. He's really not looking for his own shot until the fourth quarter, and it's working. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not. It worked tonight. I can see that. <laughs> like he did some stuff tonight where he found Luca for catch and shoots above the break while driving and kicking that were we just haven't seen that from anyone that wasn't Luca, and it's just going to become impossible to defend. Like the tape on the Mavericks has got to be, you just throw your hands up and go, well, do you just hope they miss? That's really it. Right. Right. You hope Luca has a bad game from three. And, oh, by the way, he did. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Uh, the one thing watching Kyrie, and I think we mentioned, I mentioned this before and you agreed. The thing that's like really impressive about his game to me that I didn't know, like, you know, I knew, the shooting, his ability to get to the basket, his his passing, you know, his finishing, his ability to create something from nothing. Like we knew all that, but yep. his ability in transition to be going at like a hundred percent and then stop and pull up for a three and like have a perf- picture perfect form and like make a mm-hmm. three pointer, like that, like it's. This sounds stupid, but like it's it's taking my breath away sometimes when he does that. When he gets in transition and he's pushing it and he's going as hard as he can, and then he just it's it's like a video game. Like he just stops and he's rising up and he's he's straight up and down. Like his balance is is perfect, and it's like that's something that's like that's otherworldly kind of talent, you know. Like that's just something that only comes from really gifted players. It it speaks to why you know, like Andrea Gudala once sort of was like, what do you mean Kyrie's not in the top 20 in NBA history? I, I, I remember this when they were yeah. doing the 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 top 75 in NBA history. And when you see these specific moments, it's very clear why players feel this way. Because you go against it and it's it's art. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's just because guys aren't you get tired. Your form breaks down. It's it's hard to really process like how fast and everything goes. It's like, and yet you watch it on tape and it's like, Oh, that's why it's like, it's why I love watching his free throw routine because it never deviates. Unlike Luca who looks different a fair amount of the time, because frankly, he's just, you know, huffing and puffing and, and Kyrie just goes to the line and really sticks three. Did you see the pass that he made from the, it was like right wing, maybe kind of free throw line extended where he pump faked on a three Passed or passed fake to Dwight Powell and then stuck him on like a 20 foot bounce pass yeah. for a dunk, like a one handed bounce pass that he oh kind of like God. rolled it. <laughs> it was great. Well, and and if you're a Luca super fan, you're probably like, you're doing this when Luca did some of the wizardry that he did and yeah, that passed to Justin Holiday in the corner, another one of those <laughs> just like. The ball just kind of teleports right into the shooting pocket from the opposite side of the floor. Yeah, it like like look, guys, we could and we should. Like, frankly, mm-hmm. I'm going to. Like, we're just we just need to kind of come into these and go, what the fuck? That was awesome on games like this more often. Because yeah, it was. It was <sighs> insane. I had a great time. It's man, it's really funny watching Kyrie, and it's like, man, like I've been watching, you know, watching these games and knowing what you like about the game and what you appreciate about the game and like what your preferences are. Like, it's just crazy watching him. And in my head, I've been thinking, man, if this guy just like did not do anything weird off the court or harmful off the court and was just like a normal 
dude on the floor, like he would be one of your favorite players. Like just the way he approaches the game well, when he's at his apex, you know, like you can see why he's so many people's favorite player who kind of yeah. casually pay attention to basketball and don't fall down. Like, and I don't, I don't want to phrase it in a particular way, but like, if you don't pay attention to the news, I get it. I get it. You know, we made an executive decision to not cover Kyrie talking about like getting to pick his own workplace after signing a nine-figure contract, we made the decision to ignore covering that because <laughs> it like delves into insane person stuff because it just, it turns everyone into, well, I view these players as my personal avatar for fighting against my boss. And I just, I don't have any interest in talking about that, but talking about him on the floor rules. Yeah. And especially when he, especially when he's like into it, because, you know, we've seen him on the floor when he's not into it. He's played not, he's played pretty good. You know, it's like the defensive stuff is also worth talking about. Cause as much as I get pissy at, at, at Luca, he's actually been not terrible. And like, that's where he's been kicked in the past. Um, some of his nets playoff defense was actually really, really bad. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to watch right now. I don't, I'm, I'm excited. I think we should enjoy this as much as we can. Like, my podcast yesterday with my friend Ben Golliver was it like was a good really, one. Listen to it this morning. Yeah, but it was also like really him sitting there going, "You cannot believe in this," and <laughs> I get it because he's just like, "Look, I've covered the guy since 2010, and and all of a sudden he became a little bit of an odd guy, and he seemed to get a kick out of it, and he never went back." And I've been thinking about that all day. But I've also been thinking about the relative point that that I brought up to him about, you know, Charks saying to us, you know, me several years ago, he's talking about Tim Hardaway, where he said, when guys reach a certain point in their career, they're no longer worried about some things. They just want to win. And so I've been thinking about that in relation to Kyrie as like the hopeful part of my brain works out. And I'm like, what if he just wants to like win in a, in a, I don't want to call it low stakes but less pressure environment than, than the Northeast corridor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, this is easily the least amount of media like attention he's going to like have, like have since he was, I guess, a rookie. Mm-hmm. Cause basically his whole career, he's, he's got LeBron who is, you know, he, it doesn't matter if LeBron's playing in Oklahoma city, like the center of the NBA universe is wherever LeBron is. And then he goes to Boston and it's one of the most hallowed franchises and a big media market uh, with, a lot of aggressive and um, you know media and then same thing to brooklyn you know kind of the same situation you know not a hollow franchise but the biggest media market in, in probably the world and aggressive you know another market with like a very aggressive uh combatish media and now he's in dallas where he's the mavericks are the second or third most popular team in in the dfw metroplex like the Cowboys get so much of the attention um, in this area. And, you know, he hasn't been like that before. Like Brooklyn, Boston, Cleveland, those are all the the teams in those markets, not, not let alone, you know, the market size and playing with LeBron. So uh, this is the first time he's been in a situation where the pressure, there's not as much media pressure. And we can go back and forth on that all day about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um but I think that's just the truth. And maybe that's, maybe that helps. Um, and maybe that helps to change things. I don't know. We're just kind of grasping at straws because like you said, and the, it history, might, the history is the history, right? And it might and it work for us. <laughs> well, four games, 28, 
28 per game, seven assists, 53% from the floor, 43% from three. So yeah, as advertised, um, it's just crazy. It's, it's, it's a, it's a shame that it's, it's not, you know, that that we're going to have to have the free agency thing, hang over all of this and then potential, you know, waiting for the, the ticking time bomb of him doing something weird off the court, because it's like, We've just been thirsting since they've drafted Luca for them to just have another guy that's like well the weird off the court talented. like the weird off the court I I just the, the more I think about this and it's like we 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 talked about this a couple of days ago when we were talking about kind of the weird stuff that could happen because of ESPN talking about all this I just the the logic pushes me to think that he will do whatever he can to get the largest contract possible and then if that's the case I'm just where where I am right now after beating the San Antonio Spurs on an idle Thursday. Okay. I'll deal with that later. Yeah. <laughs> That's you fair know. enough. Fair All enough. right. I don't think we got anything else. Do you? No, I thought, I think we actually got more out of this game than I thought we were when the well, it's, sounded. It's, it's just, it's God. Basketball can be fun when it's fun. Right. Um, all right, so check out Mavs Moneyball. We got uh, our man Jack, who did a recap, getting ready to publish it right now. Been editing it as we've been talking. We got our man Ben, who did a stats post. Check back, uh, you know, as the kind of weekend goes on. I may do a show, a podcast with my friend Anthony Irwin about the Lakers, who are coming into town on Sunday at 2.30. So you will get Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night off. We don't have to cover the Mavericks for several days on evening. Well, several evenings in a row. Um, we'll probably have some things up, but we'll see. February is kind of a weird month to do the writing. Uh, check out, you know, uh, previous podcasts. Like we mentioned, Josh and I did one a couple days ago. The one with Ben Golliver was a lot of fun. I don't, it's, it's very painful to me because I like have all these national writer friends and when they're just like, no, and I'm like, but what if? <laughs> it's like, it's really, it sucks, <laughs> but it's also fun. Um, right. you got anything else before we go? No, no, I'm good. And I, 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 yeah, let's, let's, let's get out of here. And what do we got? Lakers next? Lakers. Or, I think. Yeah. Sunday okay. afternoon. Mm, that'll be fun. Yeah, that's all right. All right, guys, everybody be good. Check out, uh, wait for the live show. That'll be coming probably Friday afternoon. Um, I'm going to go record that now. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we will talk at some point over the weekend. Bye guys.